It's an absolute pleasure to have you back with us as we begin our new school year, our new year of many, many things, which I can only go through a few. But I just have a few questions. You know, I like to ask questions when I give homilies. But my first question is, whom or what do you carry with you today? Whom or what do you carry with you today? And maybe physically you have a child in your lap or maybe um, you have your Bible with you, physically carrying your Bible with you or a journal or something like that. But I also mean like emotionally uh, about your memories. Who or what do you carry with you here today? Before I arrived here, I was at the Newman Center, went to go get my Bible. And outside of the Newman Center were some workers who are from the Poissippi area where I used to help out at. And they were digging new places where we're going to pour some cement soon and put up some statues around the Newman Center. And one of the workers, I believe a high school student, was carrying a load of dirt. And he was carrying it because it just rained and it was heavy. And he had a full wheelbarrow full of dirt. And I'd been there before, so I had compassion on him. But I'm thinking in my head, that looks like a little too much for you to carry. And he takes it and he says, no, it's no problem. And he takes that load and he tries to go up the ramp into the trailer. And he makes it into the trailer, but not all the way. And half the dirt falls into the trailer and half of it falls out. And where they're digging in that particular area, we're going to put a statue of St. Therese. And St. Therese is going to be one of our patronesses for the year because she teaches us how to do little things with great love. To do little things with great love. I can remember when I used to always think, you got to go big or go home, which is like not true. And I would try to carry too much. I remember one time up my street, there was a family that was pouring cement. And I said, I'll go and help. I like to help. And I filled a full wheelbarrow full of cement, heavy, wet cement. And I moved about three feet. And before I knew it, it was all on the ground, just trying to carry too much. I think for a lot of us, that's just what it is. We're just trying to carry too much and do too much too fast. And unfortunately, when we do that, we also expect instant results, instant gratification. But unfortunately, that's not reality. That's called fantasy land. Now, where the dirt was pulled from was like right in front of my office. And there's going to be a statue of St. Therese there to remind me, before I remind you, do little things with great love. Or as they say in Spanish, poco a poco. Just do little things with great love. First of all, because it's much more manageable. And second of all, if you add little things up over time, it amounts to greatness in the eyes of God. In the eyes of the world, they say, you're stupid, you're dumb. That's not going to make a difference. But that's what that, that gentleman was carrying with him. Maybe for some of you, you're carrying in those memories with you from 9-11. 20 years ago, we saw one of the greatest tragedies in our country's history. But we also learned that without the cross, there's no place for that in our country. After all the rubble fell and all of that evil happened, what was standing? The cross, two beams, to remind us that God is always with us. He's always going to be encouraging us. I think in particular, to do little things with great love. We also saw a lot of heroism, right? We also saw a lot of people giving of themselves completely, 
sacrificing completely to suffer, that is, for the good of our nation. Yet despite their heroic acts, that wasn't enough because before long, a few months in, you would see Americans acting childish and pointing fingers playing the blame game. Yet despite that, day after day, our police, our firefighters, our EMTs in New York, they began to sacrifice over and over and some of them to the point of losing their life for us so you and I can do what we do today. And the first death, the first death recorded was actually a priest. And he maybe seen pictures of him being carried out from the rubble. And that's what a priest is created to do, is to sacrifice for you, to lift up all of your prayers, to be the first one to go into a, a, a room or a building that's burning, literally collapsing, because his life is no longer his own. When a priest has his hands up like this at Mass, what he's doing is he's taking all of your prayers and offering them to the Father. And that priest is a hero. And I'm sure that there was someone before him that inspired him to do the same. And same thing for those of you who have been watching the news this week, maybe even seeing clips of people who are now EMTs, people who are now firefighters, people who are now police officers, who their uncle or their dad lost their life by running into a burning building. And the sad thing is, that's not even close to how bad it is in our world today. 9-11 was a foreshadowing of what comes when we reject the cross. 9-11 was a foreshadowing of what is to come when you and I reject the cross. Reality check, our campus is in crisis mode. But few people want to acknowledge it. How do we know it's in crisis mode? We've never seen higher depression rates or anxiety rates or suicide rates ever amongst the college student generation and and younger. That's crisis. And that means that you and I are the ones that Jesus is calling out to to commit to carry the cross of building community. So people may have someone to reach out to and also see footsteps to follow to live a sacrificial life. For a lot of us, the question this Sunday, when we talk about who or what do you carry with you, is will you carry the cross of community by first saying no to following crowds that wander around aimlessly? For the past week, I've been seeing People just walking around campus aimlessly. And you and I need to begin by saying yes to Christ and his cross. And what does aimlessly mean? I think it's a really interesting word. It means to live life without aim, without purpose, without hope. Jesus, in our gospel today, in the gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 27 through 35, He shows us his aim. He shows us that he came to suffer and be rejected and be brutally murdered and nailed to a cross to prove his love for you. When Jesus is is walking with his community, he's also walking with a crowd. 
His community as the disciples, those are the ones who followed him for now eight chapters, right? So they should know who he, he, he is. And he begins the process of separating the sheep from the goats. We know that Jesus is a good shepherd. The sheep respond to his voice. And he also knows their hearts. He knows exactly where they're at. He knows who's new and who's old. He knows who's been around for a while. But that doesn't stop him desiring to hear their hearts. The same goes for me and you. Jesus knows everything. He knows your hearts. He knows when you're being a you-know-what. He knows when you're being a saint. But that doesn't stop him from desiring to hear what is going on in your life. What are you carrying? He wants to hear your heart. He knows that you and I need to stay together through community by carrying that cross, by making sacrifice. And he also knows what will pull you apart to make you your worst. And he also knows what will knit you together to keep you at your best. And it is there at the heart, from your heart, he wants to speak to you individually and he also wants to speak to our community. And what does he say in our gospel today? Just to paint the picture for you, Jesus is in front of a giant rock. When I say giant, I mean bigger than this church. I've been there before in Caesarea Philippi. And there's all these niches in the rock of different gods that people would sacrifice to to get instant results. And they're all in front of, or behind him. And he's speaking, and he says to everyone, who do you say that I am? And then someone has to speak up, so people kind of start chirping. Well, some say John the Baptist, some say others, Elijah, still other one of the prophets. What does it sound like today? Well, some say, you know, he's on the level of like Buddha or Muhammad. He's just a wise teacher, just a wisdom figure. I can almost imagine Jesus saying, but who do you say that I am? Those of you who have been with me for this long, who do you say that I am? You've been with me in the word. You've been with me in my sacraments. You've been with me in confession. You've been with me through your families. Who do you say that I am? And the hard thing for a lot of us is that our faith formation has been so poor, our community has been so poor, we don't have a clue who Jesus is. So somebody's got to speak up who has encountered Jesus and claim who he is when it's not popular and carry that cross and saying, Jesus is the Christ. That means he is the only one amidst all of these false gods who can hear my heart and heal my heart. There is no other way. Jesus is the only one who can hear my heart. And he's the only one who can heal my heart. And we just see so much brokenness in our world today from people that try to avoid what happens next in our gospel. Jesus gets real, real fast. Once that claim happens, the devil wants to come in and zap it out, but Jesus knows the intention of the evil one, and he begins to teach them. He's going to say, just, just so you know who I am, and you never forget, I'm going to suffer like crazy for you because I love you so much. I'm going to suffer greatly. You're going to see people want to stone me. You're going to see people want to kill me. You're going to see people want to just throw me off cliffs, literally. And the leaders of the world will reject me. We see that happen today. 
you're going to follow Jesus, the world is not going to love you. And he says, Anne, I'm, I'm going to be killed to prove my love for you so that you can keep your, your community together of faith to know that what unites us is the cross. So that now when we look at the cross, if you want to look at the cross with me for a second, when we look at the cross, it's no longer intimidation, which it was at the time of Jesus' life. Now it's a sign of inspiration to say, holy crap, he loves me that much that no matter what, he would have done that for me. He would have whipped and scourged. He would have rebuked, made fun of. And when you and I try to live Christianity without the cross, we try to have community without the cross, we become a crowd. And Jesus, as soon as he starts talking about this, this suffering that he's going to go through for you and I, because this was a, a form of intimidation on the cross, by the way. So when Jesus starts talking about this, plainly, by the way, like no big deal for him, this is what he came to do, Peter says, no. I don't want you to suffer for me. I don't want to see what my sins actually cost the Father. I don't want to see that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to know that. And he tries to take Jesus' side by himself. And Jesus turns toward him as he turns towards me and you when we try to do this. He's also looking at his disciples, the ones who know who he is. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Do you know who Jesus is? If you know who Jesus is, he transforms everything he touches, even your brokenness. When you and I try to avoid suffering, and I'm not saying be a glutton for punishment, when we avoid it and we don't accept it with humility because Christ suffered for us first, we're thinking not as God does but as human beings do. Jesus gives us, gives us purpose for the pain. And he doesn't, like, water down his words after this. He doesn't say, I'm not going to suffer anymore. I was just joking, guys. No problem. He summons the crowds. You can imagine Jesus is saying, come. Come close. He said, if you, if you wish, if you desire to come after me, which means putting me before you in all things, in front of all these false gods, especially the false god of instant gratification, instant results. So you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And this is why the world is dying. This is why the world is losing the will to live. Because so many professed Christians, in quotations, never deny themselves of anything. And I'm not, seeing, I'm not saying you need to be a you-know-what when you deny yourself, but there should be joy there because that means there's going to be resurrection. And if you and I begin that process of the little way by doing little sacrifices with great love, that makes it much more tangible. He says, if you, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. Like, trust me, this is the, the fastest way to healing the brokenness in the world. Self-denial, death to self. So it's no longer what I want in following a crowd around aimlessly. It's I look to wherever the cross is, and I go there. I see where the burning buildings are, and I go there. Or I at least 
send my prayers there as soon as possible. Jesus, whoever loses his life for my sake, getting lost in his love and getting lost in the gospel, getting lost in the adventure that Jesus desires for you to show people how to follow in the footsteps, you'll save your life. It means you'll be safe. And we've heard enough about being safe apart from the cross. Your safety net, my safety net, is the cross of Jesus Christ. And the saints throughout the history of the church show us how to follow Jesus. And when you and I do that, it inspires other people. And people are looking for inspiration, not intimidation. That means every time you walk around campus, every time you go to school, there's at least one person looking up to you. And if you think that's not true, you're dead wrong. Your prayer, your self-denial, your sacrifice always makes a difference. But if you're thinking as man does, as human being does, not as God does, you're thinking too short-sighted. Last thing is, what do you want to be remembered for when you die? What do you want people to say about you? That person walked around aimlessly for four to six years of college, going to party, hookups, increasing the depression, increasing the anxiety. Now that person carried a cross with humility and wasn't afraid to speak up and say who Jesus is and what difference he makes. And little by little, they changed the campus culture. They changed a crowd into a community that did not avoid the cross. Because I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. But when you and I suffer, when you and I sacrifice, that makes us pound our fists with love to say, this is what this costs me. As a priest of Jesus Christ, I didn't give up marriage and children to be a fuddy-duddy, to be a dud priest. I promise you, I will give you my best. And all I ask is for your best in return by doing little things with great love. I will do my best to support you in prayer. I'll do my best to be real with you, to be honest with you. And for a lot of us, when it comes to spiritual life, the reason why our spiritual life is, is not going so well is because we lack disciplines in two areas. And I want us to focus on these as we head into the next semester. Because forming a habit takes about 16 weeks which means you've got to be patient with yourself. And you and I begin to change when our habits change. You and I begin to change when our habits change. So it's no longer blaming other people for the screw-ups. We blame self. We accuse self. The reason why people don't know who Jesus is, it's on me. I'm not praying enough. I'm not sacrificing enough. We've seen enough finger-pointing at problems. The cross is the only solution. So two things, two areas of your life I'd like you to, to look at are what are your eating habits like and what are your sleeping habits like? This comes from the footsteps of those we follow called the saints. When people will be coming in and talking about how their lives were all out of order, all out of whack, 
The spiritual fathers, the desert fathers, would often say, do you have discipline? Do you have self-denial? Do you die to self with your eating habits? And do you also have death to self when it comes to your sleeping habits? What do I mean by that? I mean, do you have like three square meals a day? Do you eat at a regular time? And do you go to bed and get up at a regular time? Students who come to the Newman Center often hear me say, nothing good ever happens after 10.30. That's the wisdom my dad gave me. It took me till I was about like 25 to figure that out. But nonetheless, it's true. So when I go to bed early, I go to bed, I go to bed so I can get up early to start sacrificing and praying to give you all my best, to carry that cross with humility. And am I perfect? No, but I make little changes with great love. And St. Therese is an amazing intercessor. So who or what do you carry with you today? Maybe a lot you're carrying with you, feeling a little bit overwhelmed with already with the first semester. But what's the littlest thing you can do to have better eating habits and better sleeping habits? Because when I don't get good sleep, who suffers? You do, right? When I don't eat well, who suffers? You all do. And when we realize that our decisions affect those around us to lift them up or put them down, it makes us understand what Jesus is talking about in our gospel today. He's saying you have to deny yourself if you want to follow me. But if you can do a little thing with great love to follow Jesus, over time, it's going to compute to huge results. Maybe not in the eyes of the world today, but again, when I ask you, you know, when you die, what do you want people to say about you? Maybe two to three hundred years from now, your life will be, be read about because you're, you're answering the call to be a saint. If you're thinking as, as God does, you're thinking eternal, that your life could affect people generations from now, just as those firefighters, those EMTs, those police officers knew that their lives were inspiring others without counting the costs. By running into a burning building, by running into a campus on fire and not being afraid. But it can seem overwhelming if you try to do it all at once. Maybe the Lord is just saying, whatever you're, whatever you're doing that's too much right now, Please place that on the altar. So that when you have to get rid of the dirt, the extra stuff, it doesn't tip and hurt others. We take a moment of silence as we do at every single Mass here at the Newman Center. And what we're, what we're doing is we're stopping, we're pausing, we're turning the world off and replacing ourselves, our petitions, our prayers, whatever we're carrying, onto the altar. And we always pray that ourselves, those around us, those prayers are transformed as the bread and wine are transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. But it's much easier when you start with something little, and over time, it computes to something great. And maybe right now, Jesus just simply wants to hear your heart so we can heal it. So we can start putting the fires out. To start with self, to deny self. So that when he asks you, 
when you're out in the world, who do you say that I am? You are like Peter and you say, you are the Christ, you are the Savior, you are, you are everything. And because you give, gave me everything on the cross, I give you everything in return. Amen.